Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this service. We thank you for your wonderful grace that you've given us, the mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, that you have displayed in our behalf, for giving us eternal life. We just pray for your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts that we can not only understand your words and hear your words, but be doers of your word. And we ask this all in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, for some, tomorrow, some of us will be celebrating what is often known or here in America is called Halloween. Some people will dress up as zombies and goblins and ghosts. But for us in the Christian faith, tomorrow is an important day because tomorrow we celebrate what theologians call the Reformation. It is where Martin Luther penned his 95 Theses at the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg and the Holy Roman Empire. And that was the start of what is called the Reformation, in which theologians were calling the church back to the Bible, but more importantly, back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Up to this point, the church has abandoned the scripture. It has abandoned the authority of the word of God its inspiration, its sufficiency. And Martin Luther saw that this was a troubling aspect, and he penned his 35 answering questions to return the church back to its original. And men like John Calvin and Swingley continue that tradition, and we are the results of that. And one of the things that the Reformation and Martin Luther were trying to bring us back is to the gospel. It's the centrality of the gospel, the importance of the gospel. And I believe that Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, gives us a summary of what the gospel is. And I'm only going to read verses 8 and 9, but I'm going to go through verses 1 through 10. So if you have your Bibles with you, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse, I'm going to read verse 8 and 9, but we're going to go through verse 1 and 10. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, the word of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So in this book, the Apostle Paul already addresses and explains the supremacy, the importance of Christ. That we were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. And then in chapter 2, he moves in into the contrast. And he explains your life before you came to Christ. And one of the aspects that the Apostle Paul explains is the necessity of salvation. Why is it that we need to be saved? What is the condition that man is in today? Where are we in our lives? Well, the Apostle Paul begins by saying this, and you were dead, meaning you didn't have life. 
There was no hope. There was no life in you. But more importantly, what the Apostle Paul was trying to get at is you were spiritually dead. Meaning you were separated from God the Father. There was no relationship between you and God. It has been severed. It has been broken. So the Apostle Paul is telling us that you have no life. Although you're walking around and moving functionally, you're dead. In a similar fashion, when you think about a dead body, what happens to a dead body? You are separated the soul from the body. Well, in the same way, we are separated from God the Father. And we're like that because of the fall of Adam. God created Adam to have a personal and intimate relationship. But unfortunately, Adam sinned against God. And because of that, he plunged all man into, into sinful nature. And because of this, all of us have been separated from God. We have no relationship with God. We have no connection with God. And therefore, we're born with a sinful nature. And the Apostle Paul expresses that in two words, still in verse 1. Trespasses and sin. Now, what does Paul mean by trespasses? He means in the way that we live our lives. In the way that we conduct ourselves on our daily walk. We walk breaking God's commandments. You've seen those signs out there where it says, do not trespass, meaning do not come into this area because you're prohibited. We are living lives that are prohibited from God. Our conduct and our daily nature doesn't express that of who we are in God or the way God created us. And because we have trespassed, we have sinned. We have done what is against God. We have done what is evil. And therefore, we have been separated from God. Because God cannot look upon evil. So we have broken God's commandments, and therefore we fit under three categories. The first category is, we are under God's wrath. Because God is holy, he must judge sin. He cannot allow sin to continue its course. So therefore, God placed a condemnation on man because of their sin. So Adam, instead of bringing us into eternal life, instead he brought us into eternal damnation. So we're under God's judgment. And the condition continues to get worse. Not only are we under God's wrath... We're under the dominion of Satan. Look at verse 2. Following the prince of the power of the air. Now what does it mean that we're under Satan's dominion? It means that we're under his control. There are only two people in this world. Those who are children of God and those who are children of Satan. You're either in God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom. There is no in-between. You're either in one of those kingdoms. Like a kingdom, it has a king. 
And whatever the king decrees, you must follow. When you are under Satan's control, you are under his jurisdictions. That means that we do what he says. We follow after his character. And what are his characteristics? He was a liar. He was deceiver. He was a hater of God. He was rebellious. That's what some of you, you were under his dominion and power. And therefore you followed after him. But wait, it gets even worse. The third, we're under the power of our sinful nature and the power of sin. Therefore, we do what our sin nature requires us to do. We go after our own passions. We live according to our sins. And we do what our sinful nature calls us to do. We cannot help but to sin. Our life is a reflection of our sinful nature. And we cannot obey God, nor do we even want to. So the Apostle Paul is telling us that we're not under the power of, of, of Satan, but we're also the power of the world. What does that mean? We're under the philosophy of the world. And we know what the world is like. The world is always against God. Look at the music. Look at the movies. Look at the, the advice that we'll get from the world. All of it is contrary to what God says in his word. So if we are in our sinful nature, not only are we under the power of, of Satan and the power of our sin, but we're also influenced by the world. We, we find, we, we fought deceptive into his teachings. We believe its sayings and its customs and its ways. So the Apostle Paul is reminding us our condition. And this is what the reformers were bringing us back to. They were bringing us back to a realization of our sin. A return back that nothing good dwells in us. We're not this beautiful, perfect beings. We're ratchet, God-haters, sinful people. And the reformers were drawing us back to that reality, not to just leave us there, but to give us hope. Now, what I mean by that? Well, the gospel comes in. So bring it to my second point, the cause of our salvation. Look with me at verses four through six. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with he, which he has loved us, even we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For this reason, we're not able to save ourselves because of the, the, of the condition that we were in. Therefore, God had to come and respond. And then God had to respond by giving us his mercy. And this is based on God's character. Because, because God is loving, he is merciful. And because he's merciful, he gave us that mercy. 
And God saved us purely out of his love. Because nothing in us screamed to be saved. Nothing in us should have motivated him to save us. It was surely out of God's pure love and mercy for us. And this is the beauty of God's love. That not only did he gave us who is rich in mercy, but he loved us at, his, at our worst. The Apostle Paul in verse 5 uses the same expression in verse 1. Even when we were dead, meaning when we were at our worst moment, when nothing in us should have inspired him to save us, think of the worst of the worst situation that you can think of. Think of a dead person when you watch a movie and, and, they, and, they, and they say, he's dead, there's no hope, let's move him out to the next person. But God said in that worst state, he saved us and made us alive again because of his mercy and his love for us. And the Apostle Paul is drawing us back to verse 1 to remind us of the condition that we were in. We were not savable people. We were not people that deserved to be saved. To the world, it was helpless. That's why the, the, apostle, um, the apostles asked Jesus, how can a man be saved? He says, for man, this is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. And how did God display his love? Well, he sent his son on our behalf. Love is not just an emotional thing. It needs a response. It's an action. And that love that God had for us caused him to respond by sending his son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. God saved us through his son, Jesus Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul was saying. He made us alive together with Christ. Meaning the only means and only way we're saved is through Christ. There is no other means of salvation. There is no other way to receive the salvation. It is only through Christ. Christ is our only hope. Christ is our only answer for our salvation. Nothing else can even come close to what Christ gives us. And the Apostle Paul is saying, you, you're not made, not by your works. You were made alive through Christ. And what did Christ did for us? Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. And to me, that is the center of the gospel. Because many people made the gospel out to be more about us. Some people say that Christ, the gospel is Christ's righteousness imputed to us. And that is true. Others will say that we're free from the dominion of sin. That is true. But the center of the gospel is Christ's death, death and resurrection. The gospel is about Christ and what he did. And then we receive that out of his love. So Christ died and rose and because he died and rose, we too have died and rose again. You look what he says and he raised, in verse 6, and he raised us up with him. Meaning just as Christ rose from the dead to live again for God, 
we ourselves have risen again to live with God. And because of our union with him, we too have received life. Christ dying and rising again has given us the ability for us to die and rise again. What does it mean to die? Well, we're already dead, but specifically, we must die to sin. Because sin was the reason why we needed salvation, therefore sin must be the, 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 the re-breaking for our salvation. So Romans, 16, Romans 6, the Apostle Paul says there, that just as Christ died for sin once and for all and rose again, we too, because of our union with Christ, have died to sin and rose again. And therefore we are united to Christ and we share in his blessing. That is what the Apostle Paul points out in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Look what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What is that spiritually in heavenly places? Is that we rose spiritually with God the Father and that we're seated at the right hand of God the Father Meaning that the relationship that I was broken because of my sin has been reestablished, has been restored. And now I have access to the Father through his mercy. I have all the benefits that were given to Christ are now mine in Christ. And what are some of the benefits? Well, first and foremost, we're made alive. Remember, the Apostle Paul tells us we were dead. But now, with Christ, we're made alive. What's that mean to be made alive? It means that we're able to live for God. I have a personal, intimate relationship with God. The peace that came through Christ, I now have with God. Now I'm able to live in righteousness with, for God. Because I'm made alive. I've been giving eternal life. And now I have access to God and to access to his grace. Because I have a relationship with Christ. And then the third point. What is the cause of all this? Look at verses 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not on your own doing, it is a gift of God. Not every result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What is the result of our salvation? What is the end result and the consequence of our salvation? It is so that we can be holy. God saved us so that we can walk in holiness. Although works are not the means of our salvation, but works are evidence of our salvation. So when God saved us, he saved us for this purpose. The Apostle Paul tells us, what is the will of God for our lives? That you may be holy. That you may walk in the newness of life. So the Apostle Paul says here that we're saved so that we can walk in righteousness. 
That is the end result of our salvation. And the Apostle Paul says that we were made for workmanship, meaning we were made for God's purpose. He made us for his pleasure. So that we're given the gift of faith so that we can believe in God and that we can seek him and walk in him. But only that, we're made a new creation. Verse 10 tells us that we were made, created in Christ. We have a new nature. We have a new disposition. We have a new way of walking and thinking and believing. It's no longer a way of the sinful nature. It's now a way that reflects the image of Christ. So we were made to walk according to the gospel of Christ. We were made to reflect Christ and how way he lives. So the apostle Paul is telling us we were made for good works, to walk in righteousness. And the reformers were trying to establish this. They were bringing back the gospel of Jesus Christ that has been lost because works became the means of salvation, not the evidence of our salvation. And Luther was reminding the church that works, although they're important, are not the means of our salvation. It is through faith in Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. So we're thankful for the reformers and what they did for us by giving us the true gospel which saves us and gives eternal life. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that you've given us, for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives. And we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.